Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another stupendous installment of the program. From very high above all other puerile and pedantic forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. Much has been made recently of this phenomenon called Christian nationalism. Well, no, that's not exactly right. It's not a phenomenon. I don't know a single Christian who would refer to themselves as a Christian nationalist. I don't even think that you could even point one out. In an op-ed to the New York Times, Casper resident and attorney Susan Stubson, wife of former state representative Tim Stubson, we'll talk about him in a little bit, penned an op-ed claiming that Christian nationalism is taking over her state and her party. Kind of begs the question, though, if it actually is her party, and if Christian nationalism is a thing, and if it is a thing, why hasn't she defined exactly what it is? Or perhaps more to the point, can it be defined? The only thing that really comes close to a definition is in her article, entitled, What Christian Nationalism Has Done to My State and My Faith is a Sin, printed in the New York Times, May 21st. And I quote, What's changed is the rise of Christian nationalism. The belief, as recently described by the Georgetown University professor and author Paul D. Miller, that, quote, America is a Christian nation and that the government should keep it that way, end quote. Not exactly a precise definition. More to the point, though, about two, par- two or three paragraphs above that, it says, and I quote, and really, when you read through her op-ed, this is actually the reason why she wrote it, and I quote, The result is bad church and bad law. God, guns, and Trump is an omnipresent bumper sticker here. The new trinity. The evangelical church has proved to be supplicating audience for the Christian nationalist roadshow. Indeed, it is unclear to me many Sundays whether we are hearing a sermon or a stump speech. End quote. It really isn't all that hard to deduce Susan Stubson's meaning of her entire op-ed. When you read through it, really, she means that a Christian nationalist is anybody who supports Donald Trump and loves his guns. Let me give you another example. Quote, In last year's elections, candidates running on a Christian nationalist platform used fear plus the promise of power to attract their votes. Their ads warned about government overreach, religious persecution, mask mandates, threats from immigrants, and election fraud. A candidate for Secretary of State, an election denier named Chuck Gray, hosted at least one free screening in a church of the roundly debunked film 2,000 Mules about alleged voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. In parentheses, he won the general election unopposed and is now next in line to the governorship. End quote. In other words, if you're a conservative, then clearly you're a Christian nationalist, whatever the heck that term means. As I was unable to determine exactly what a Christian nationalist is from reading Susan Stubson's democratic meanderings while attacking conservatives, I set about to find a definition myself. 
Unsurprisingly, I was unable to define a definition with any more specificity than was listed in that ridiculous opinion piece. The only common thread through all of them is that Christian nationalism is the belief that America was founded as a Christian nation, that our country was started on a basis of Judeo-Christian values. Um, that's because it was. If you walk into the Capitol Rotunda in Washington, D.C., when there aren't barricades preventing you from entering the People's House, you'll find yourself in a round room, the walls of which are entirely covered with paintings. In every single one of them, there is someone praying or someone reading for the, from the Bible or some other religious scene. Do you know where the largest church in Washington, D.C. was for over 100 years? It was the Capitol building itself. For over 100 years, nine denominations held their Sunday service in the Capitol building. Sometimes, the Marine Band played all of the hymns for the service. It might surprise you to know that the very first time the United States Senate met on April 25th of 1789, they elected the Right Reverend Samuel Provost, the Episcopal Bishop of New York, as its first chaplain. Since then, all sessions of the Senate have been opened with prayer, strongly affirming the Senate's faith in God as sovereign Lord of our nation. The election of the Reverend William Lynn as chaplain of the House of Representatives was on May 1st of 1789. The tradition of each day's proceedings, beginning with a prayer, has continued since that date. And isn't it also a little bit interesting, when we swear a president into office, they place their hand on the Bible. My friends... It is absolutely farcical to even try to argue that the United States wasn't started as a Christian country. Now, there is some debate as to whether it is still or not, but it most certainly was started that way. During my search to determine exactly what this Christian nationalism thing is, I happened upon a video on PBS.org, public broadcasting system, you know, the same one that Elon Musk labeled government-funded. Now I know what you're thinking. Come on, David. PBS? Really? But think about it this way, guys. I've been searching for a definition of what Christian nationalism is for hours, and I was unable to determine anything that was specific or even really told me anything beyond what Susan Stubson had to say in her op-ed. So why not listen to what PBS has to say? They think they're the experts on everything else, and certainly they have to be more informed than Susan Stubson. The video is called The Rise of Christian Nationalism and features such renowned thinkers as Catherine Stewart, author of the book The Power Worshippers, Inside the Dangerous Rise of Religious Nationalism, Eric K. Ward, Guthrie Graves Fitzsimmons. With names like that, these people have to be authoritative, don't they? So here's what Catherine Stewart had to say about Christian nationalism. So let's start with the basics. Let's talk about what Christian nationalism is and what it isn't. Christian, Christian nationalism is not Christianity. It is not a religion. It is a political phenomenon that involves the exploitation of religion for political purposes. I think of it as combining two kinds of things. On the other hand, on one hand, it's, a, it's an ideology, a set of ideas but it's also a political movement, an organized quest for power. So as an ideology, it amounts to the idea that America was founded as a Christian nation, uh, 
with laws based on a very conservative reading of the Bible. And it says that it is the right of a certain type of Christian to, quote, take the country back. It's basically an idea of exclusionary nationalism, who gets to properly belong in the nation and who does not. Wait a minute. That's exactly what Susan Stubson said it was, isn't it? So Catherine Stewart says that it's not Christianity. And so then it follows, if you refer to somebody as a Christian nationalist, basically you're saying that they're not Christian, correct? So why not just say that these folks are not Christians? Wouldn't that just make it simpler? No, they had to add the word nationalist onto it. Now, we all know what white nationalists are. They're white supremacists, right? Those people are bad. They're racists, they're bigots, and sometimes they wear hoods late at night. Not good people. And of course, they couldn't just come out and say that these folks are not Christian, now could they? Because that, of course, would be judging them. And we all know that the Bible says that you cannot judge a man's heart. Only God can. So folks like Catherine Stewart and Susan Stubson have to come up with a way of describing people that they don't agree with in a way that's really, really offensive. So that you're somebody who claims to be a Christian and that you're a nationalist. Because that word nationalist has a nasty connotation to it. It's just like calling somebody a racist. You really don't have to have any proof that they're a racist. You can just say, you're a racist. And then the burden of proof is on them to prove that they are not. But of course, Susan Stubson didn't come out and call all of these people like Chuck Gray that she specifically mentioned in her op-ed a racist. She didn't do that at all. She just insinuated that they're all Christian nationalists. So let's see what Catherine Stewart has to say about the type of people that fit into this group. So the, we can or, organize these, these organizations that lend support to the movement into different categories. We have right-wing policy groups. We have legal advocacy organizations. There are, um, uh, I would say, uh, uh, think tanks. There are mm -hmm. networking organizations that get many of the leaders of the different organizations on the same page and bring them together with some of the movement's very deep-pocketed funders. Um, other initiatives target uh, networking organizations, target clergy and state legislators, uh, and of course, there's a, a vast far-right messaging sphere that actively generates or exploits cultural conflict, promotes the sort of grievance narrative, and spreads disinformation and conspiracism in order to improve its grip on the rank and file. In other words, it's far-right groups, the people that fund them, the people that message them, anybody that supports them, and tries to get conservative Christians elected. Got it. It seems to me that her definition is a little bit biased. And so I don't think that we can reliably look to it as something that explains exactly what Susan Stubson is talking about. Now, usually when I have an absence of a definition, I try to look at who's behind the messaging. You know, consider the source. Maybe the person speaking is coming at it from a particular viewpoint, and that might explain why it is that they hold the views that they do. Just so happens, in the beginning of that video, they tell us exactly who all these participants are. Let's start with Catherine Stewart. Catherine Stewart writes about the intersection of faith and politics. Her latest book, The Power Worshippers, Inside the Dangerous Rise of Religious Nationalism, won first place for excellence in nonfiction books from the Religion News Association. 
Her work is published in the New York Times op-ed, New Republic, and The Guardian, among others. And she has appeared on NPR, CNN, and MSNBC. NPR, CNN, MSNBC, PBS. Hmm. No Fox News or Newsmax or Real American News? And what about this Religious News Association? Well, they've published some fantastic articles, among them, Reparations for Slavery to be Topic as Episcopal Presiding Bishop Meets New York Bishop-Elect. Climate Change is Causing Trouble in Paradise for the Pacific Island Nations. Huh. Oh, here's another one. The Layperson's Call to Social Justice and How to Respond Faithfully. It says an awful lot that Catherine Stewart got an award from these folks. But what about the other participants that were in the video? Eric K. Ward is a nationally recognized expert on the relationship between authoritarian movements, hate violence, and preserving inclusive democracy. He currently serves as executive vice president of Race Forward, a member of the president's leadership council for the search for common good, chair of the Proteus Fund, and advisor to the Bridge Entertainment Labs. The Proteus Fund. Where have I heard that before? See, I don't know. I mean, it's an awful long time ago. Oh! I remember, and you guys are going to love this, the Proteus Fund, according to Influence Watch, is a center-left pass-through funder and donor-advised fund provider. Since the fund's creation in 1995, Proteus has routed hundreds of millions of dollars from major grant-making foundations and anonymous donors on the left to activist groups targeting issues including legalizing same-sex marriage, reducing religious freedom to dissent policies on gay rights and abortion, abolishing capital punishment, reducing military spending, and promoting liberal campaign finance policies. And you'll never guess who one of their major funders is. Well, the Open Society Foundation and the Open Society Institute, which of course were started by none other than spooky dude himself, George Soros. So what about the other guy that was behind this PBS video that we've been talking about? Guthrie Grace Fitzsimmons is the communications director at BJC, the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, and is a member of the leadership team of BJC's campaign, Christians Against Christian Nationalism. Prior to BJC, Guthrie was a fellow at the Center for American Progress. Ray Charles could have seen that one coming. The Center for American Progress, which is funded by the Tides Foundation, who gets their money from George Soros. The reason why I bring up this whole PBS video is Christian nationalism seems to be coming from all of the leftist media outlets, of which PBS is one of them. Now, I'm not saying that Susan Stubson is in bed with George Soros. I don't think she's anywhere close to being in the same universe to be on his radar. What I am saying is that all of these ideas are emanating from one source. It's your social justice warriors who, of course, are pushed by the radical left. It's interesting that their target with all of this Christian nationalism thing is anyone who ends up being on the conservative side of politics. And how would Susan Stubson know what a Christian nationalist is or isn't? Let's consider the source there as well. Susan Stubson doesn't have any formal training in religion, nor any real formal training in politics. She spent her undergraduate career in music. From her bio at the law firm of Crowley and Fleck, quote, She received, she being Susan Stubson, received a Bachelor's of Music from the University of Colorado and a Master's of Performance and Literature from Eastman School of Music. 
from the University of Rochester with an emphasis in piano performance and literature. She then received her Juris Doctorate from the University of Wyoming in 1998. Her husband, Tim Stubson, an alleged Republican, he served in the Wyoming House of Representatives from 2008 till 2016. In that final year, Tim Stubson voted with the Democrats 74% of the time. So while we don't exactly know what Susan Stubson's political pedigree is, is the furthest thing from a conservative. In 2016, he unsuccessfully ran for Wyoming's lone congressional seat. You may have heard Tim Stubson's name recently because he was mentioned in a March 29th Wildfile article talking about the formation of what they're calling now the Wyoming Caucus. You know, that's the group of legislators that got together to oppose the Freedom Caucus, the 26 conservatives in the House of Representatives, from that article, and I quote, On March 16th, paperwork to form the Wyoming Caucus PAC was filed with the Wyoming Secretary of State's office. The chairman of the Political Action Committee, Casper Attorney Tim Stubson, is a former Republican member of the Wyoming House. Quote, since the session, you've had the Freedom Caucus members taking a pretty aggressive approach, attacking Republican members of the legislature for the work they did, Stubson said. They're obviously well-organized, well-funded, and their goal is clearly to take out ordinary Republicans. This is one effort to try to give members who aren't affiliated with the Freedom Caucus the resources they need. End quote. So Tim Stubson is the head of a political action committee whose stated purpose is to oppose conservative members of the House of Representatives. Susan Stubson's article seems to be her contribution to that effort. Given that little piece of information, it seems obvious that Susan Stubson's opinion piece has very little to do with a critique of current Christianity or what's wrong with it, but rather is a thinly veiled attack on Wyoming's conservatives of which she and her husband Tim Stubson are definitely not members. So how did I come up with that PBS video and the name of Catherine Stewart? Well, it was clear to me that Christian nationalism really doesn't have a definition because it's not a real thing. And it's also very clear that it's a made-up idea from the political left. So why not look at Wikipedia to find some sort of direction as to what these people are talking about? Allow me to read to you a little bit from that Wikipedia post, which I'm almost certain was written at least in part by Catherine Stewart. Quote, A study which was conducted in May of 2022 showed that the strongest base of support for Christian nationalism comes from Republicans who identify as evangelical or born-again Christians. Of this demographic group, 78% are in favor of formally declaring the United States should be a Christian nation, versus only 48% of Republicans overall. According to Politico, obvious conservative news outlet, the polling also found that sentiments of white grievance are highly correlated with Christian nationalism. According to that Wikipedia post, Christian nationalists include Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Mary Miller, Doug Mastriano, and Ron DeSantis. Quoting again from the Wikipedia post, 
Author Catherine Stewart has called the combined ideology and political movement of Christian nationalism an organized quest for power, and she says that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has identified with and promoted this system of values in order to gain votes in his bid for political advancement. End quote. Uh-huh. So the term is entirely political. It was made up by the political left in an attempt to denigrate conservatives and associate them with white nationalism, a failed political movement that is also known by another name as white supremacy, the most common example of which would be the Ku Klux Klan. And I really hate to remind Tim and Susan Stubson which political party came up with those folks. It was the Democrats, not Republicans. So enough of those two jokers. So me, being the tenacious person that I am, still have yet to come up with the definition of what Christian nationalism is. So to get some more clarity and perhaps some more specificity, I thought we'd visit with Pastor Jonathan Lang. And we'll do that after the break. But first, an absolutely obscene prophet timeout. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or maybe a roping arena or even a giant warehouse for your business, then you should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. They're the experts in metal building construction, and they've been doing it longer than anybody else around. So if you want a building that's going to stand the test of time, Give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. Gunrunner Auctions is your source for firearms, firearms, accessories, and ammunition. And right now, if you go to gunrunnerauctions.com, they have a wide variety of ammunition that's for sale. There's thousands of rounds of ammunition of various calibers, so it doesn't really matter if you're just looking for a firearm or a firearm accessory, perhaps a rifle scope, or maybe you just need to find some hard-to-locate ammunition. Go to GunRunnerAuctions.com, and there's a good bet you'll find what you're looking for. Every month, beginning on the 7th, Scott and his team post 500 fine firearms for sale. You can be sure that you'll find the fine firearm that you've been looking for. That's GunRunnerAuctions.com. You can listen to the program on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com. There you can find all of the shows as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Susan Stubson and you really don't understand what it means to be a conservative, well, you can go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and figure out that you shouldn't have talked to the New York Times first. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the Thursday live episode that begins every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. And now, 
back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Cowboy State Politics, Wyoming's most listened to conservative program. So in my quest to discover what exactly Christian nationalism is, since Susan Stubson has no idea, can't provide a definition, and is not even qualified to comment on the matter, I thought we'd talk to Pastor Jonathan Lang to get some perspective on exactly what the left is doing with this strange term that they've completely made up to attack conservatives. So, Jonathan, welcome back to the program. Hey, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. So, as you and I discussed before our before the interview, Susan Stubson has this ridiculous article about out that says that Wyoming is becoming Christian nationalist. So, let's just uh, take it from the top and let's get your take on it. What do you think she's trying to do here? Well, unfortunately, she's uh, caught up in the in the moment and uh, trying to apply this term Christian nationalism to the Wyoming Freedom Caucus and anybody who happens to agree with them. Um, and uh, the big issue is, you know, um, well, there's just a whole a whole bunch of rhetorical bombs that she throws at um, the Wyoming Freedom Caucus. Most of them are projections of her own imagination. But I think that uh, it would be good for us to have a conversation about what Christian nationalism is and what it isn't and uh, kind of inform our hearers so that they know what to take about this. Yeah, that's ex that was exactly my thought. And I spent probably three hours yesterday trying to figure out exactly what Christian nationalism is to come up with a definition. And uh, I didn't find any. So what do you think it is? Well, I'm, before I answer that, I'm going to talk about where it came from, because uh, as I did the same as you, um, and I've been doing this for months, trying to get a handle on what exactly this is. And uh, basically what happened is, is it popped up in the public discourse about five years ago, right about in the middle of the Trump uh, term of president. Um, and, uh, and it's never been defined. Uh, you've got this guy, Paul D. Miller, running around in, in, in the pages of Christianity Today, um, talking about it as if he knows what it is. Um, but uh, to cut to the chase, um, my understanding of it finally is this, um, that it was a term invented by um, enemies of conservative uh, politicians, uh, enemies of the MAGA movement, um, and it simply meant to tar and feather uh, the MAGA movement with a, uh, a boogeyman-sounding name um, that really means nothing. Um, so that's, uh, you know, we can break apart the name and, and talk about what is Christianity. We can talk about why they use the word nationalism in order to kind of uh, give the, uh, a slur towards uh, uh, national socialism. We can talk about all that stuff. But in the end... It is putting a boogeyman name on what is simply uh, the philosophy of American pol uh, political philosophy going all the way back to the founding fathers. Absolutely agree with everything you just said. The only definition that I was able to come up with is these Christian nationalist folks uh, believe that America is a Christian nation. So being a historian, I know that that's absolutely 
accurate. Can we just start by maybe giving some examples as to, you know, why America began with Judeo-Christian principles? Well, I mean, I think the thing that we all need to remember is is that uh, uh, America came because of the, I mean, it's ultimately, it came out of the Reformation, right? Um, So you had the entire uh, European Holy Roman Empire um, was, was Christian. And uh, the Reformation sought to uh, correct some things in the Roman Catholic Church, and so it splintered the empire, but it splintered it into a number of Christian states. And some of those Christian states were Reformed, some were Lutheran, some were Catholic, and uh, then you had some pockets of other types of Christianity embedded in all of them. But in the end, when the uh, colonists started coming over looking for religious freedom, it was particularly the Christian religion that they brought with them. So yeah, at the founding of America, it was a Christian nation in the sense that it was probably 99% Christian. It had a few pockets of of Judaism at the beginning. Uh, I think later on, maybe you had uh, some, uh, some Islam come, but it was just overwhelmingly Christian. And the trick of the uh, American experiment was to ask this question, how can we organize a state in such a way that the, the Christianity has a part in making its laws and governing it without settling on any one particular denomination of Christianity? And so that's the intent of the First Amendment to have the uh, freedom of exercise as well as the freedom from establishment. Um, so those two sides of the coin. So what were what were some of the de- Christian denominations that were present during America's founding? So like circa 1776. I mean, I know we had some Quakers and you know some Lutherans. Could you just talk about that a little bit? Uh, just a little bit. You had some things like the, the Congregationalists up in New England were were a big part of it. And uh, then you had uh, uh, Catholicism, which, as I understand it, was established in Maryland. Lutherans, there were some Lutherans here early on. Most of them tended to go into the Philadelphia area. Then there was a, a later, my, my generation of Lutherans came uh, 100 years later as they were trying to flee from the uh, impending war that, was, that Kaiser was building up for. One of the things that was interesting is that the religious movements that were happening in England— that were subdividing the Anglican Church, uh, those things were going on over across the sea, and then they would be immediately brought to America's shores. And so I'm talking about things like moving from Anglicanism to Presbyterianism, which was a conservative offshoot of Anglicanism, and then eventually the Wesley brothers uh, brought Methodism and and Wesleyism uh, to America's shores. Um, so around 1776, kind of the big guy that really unified the colonies around Christianity was a guy named George Whitfield, um, and uh, he was maybe the Billy Graham of his day, and one of the few people that all of the colonists at one point or another got a chance to listen to his preaching. So the general thesis of this whole Christian nationalist business is trying to say that the folks that think that taking prayer out of school may have been a bad thing and that Thomas Jefferson really never meant for there to be an absolute separation between church and state, and that maybe it's okay to have the Ten Commandments in the town square. Well, those are all Christian nationalist ideas. Like you said at the beginning, 
you know, it's an attempt to disparage people that that have those kinds of uh, beliefs. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I, it's definitely got overtones of a of an invented boogeyman. It's it's a it's a it's a brilliant ploy, if you want, uh, because what it does is it's it's got enough of of. Uh, uh, attractive notions in it that it causes conservatives to kind of embrace the name and say, oh, yeah, I'm that. Um, and yet it's ambiguous enough that once somebody has embraced the name, then you can turn around and um, and tar and feather them with all kinds of, of, of nasty things. What it is intended to do is to create an enemy out of those people that hold the founding principles of the way that the church and the state are supposed to relate. Maybe if I can extend that just a little bit, David, because I think that the most important thing that our hearers ought to understand is that there is, in fact, a battle that has been going on, a battle of political philosophy that's been going on for 300 years um, and probably more. But it was really writ large in the difference between the, uh, the French Revolution and the American Revolution. And uh, the French Revolution was an atheistic revolution. It deliberately tried to stamp out every trace of Christianity, even going so far as to get rid of the seven-day week, uh, because the seven-day week goes back to creation. So they went to, I think it was a 10-day week they attempted for a while. Just craziness. Of course, they blasphemed um, uh, many, uh, desecrated many altars in France, and of course, as everybody knows, it, it wound up in a in a bloodbath, and uh, that's the reason for Tocqueville's coming to this, these shores is to find out what what's different about America, and what was different about America is that rather than attributing all evil to the uh, Christian religion, uh, what America did is recognize that no, the Christian religion is and its its fundamental orientation toward the Creator. This is what can create community. This is the foundation of all sound political philosophy. And so what is happening today and has been happening is a turning away from the creator, a turning away from accountability to the one who made this world and made this nation, and going to total individualism where each individual person makes his own rules. That difference between total individualism on the one hand, which was the philosophy of France, and a community-minded creationism, which was the philosophy of America, that's what's going on at work. And it has nothing to do really with Christianity per se. Um, it really has to do with the what I would call theism. Theism is the notion that a god created the universe, and we are accountable to him. Christianity is a subspecies of that, of that notion, but theism is held in common by Christians and Jews and, and, and Muslims um, and, and many other religions that are not Christian. So, yeah, that's the, that's the difference. It's a common historical lie that the guys that wrote the Constitution, America's founders, were not profoundly religious. And the truth of the matter is the least religious among them was probably Benjamin Franklin. And even he attributed the writing of the Constitution to divine providence. I mean, that that's unquestionably, it's an unquestionable belief that the guys that wrote the Constitution, and maybe they all didn't 
didn't have the same denomination, but all of them saw the influence of God on the creation of America, the writing of the Constitution, and the nation that would follow. Yeah, absolutely right. It was it was Benjamin Franklin who, during the Constitutional Convention, uh, recognized that they were getting nowhere and they were about to uh, to lose the entire prospect. And so he was the one that made a motion that they open each day with prayer. <laughs> that was so. Well, it's fascinating. In the in the beginning of the episode, I spoke about since the very first session of the United States Senate and the United States House of Representatives, they have opened every single session with a prayer. There has always mm-hmm. been a chaplain in both chambers. And predominantly, that chaplain was Christian or is Christian. Yeah. The Bible says it very plainly. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And our founding fathers were no fools. Uh, They understood that man is a uh, both body and spirit. They understood that we are created in the image of God. And therefore, they understood that unless we account for the noumenal, the spiritual, the God, um, we cannot properly govern ourselves. Um, Yeah, so self-governance begins with governing your own self, and that begins with an understanding of your relationship with God. We've pretty much discussed and debunked Susan Stubson's op-ed claiming that there's this Christian nationalism movement that's destroying Wyoming. I have another question that I wanted to ask you that is not entirely unrelated, but it seems to me that in, in public policy, there is this move to, there's a group of people that are trying to move Wyoming politics away from any influence of religion, which of course has disastrous consequences. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, you're a pretty prominent pastor in the state. Um, so so what's your view on that? I mean, do you, do you see things the same way or just talk to me a little bit about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I see that this is trying to trying to destroy what actually made uh, America great. And what made America great is a true understanding of human nature. You cannot do self-governance unless you understand who we're governing. And, uh, and so, yes, this uh, uh, going back to the, um, oh, maybe about 1947 was one of the critical junctures um, and I think it's called uh, Emerson versus the Board of Education. And this is where this terrible notion of the separation of church and state was inserted into political talk. It, it never was so before. There was a distinction between church and state, each having its own realm of responsibility, but talking to each other, informing one another, and working together, not at cross purposes. And uh, but with the insertion from the ACLU of the of the separation language of church and state, then we started getting this idea that oh, well, you can do self-governance without religion at all. Well, you can see where it's brought us. This moral relativism has it so everybody gets to decide for himself, not only whether there is a God, but whether he himself is a human being or a dog or a cat. Since laws only apply to human beings and not to dogs or cats, guess where that leads? I think that a lot of Christians, well-meaning Christians, have listened to the language of the separation of church and state for all their lives, been propagandized in that language, and are confused. And I think that the best thing that the Christian church can do 
is to help people see and reintegrate the uh, the spiritual with the secular, help them to see that there is no way of separating the two and operating in like two different realms. And uh, so that's a, a and, and I think that um, it's unfortunate. I think that Ms. Stubson um, has been um, misinformed. She's kind of going along with the crowd, and uh, and many Christians have not been properly taught by their pastors. And and it is my wish through the Wyoming Pastors Network um, that uh, pastors begin to engage and see this and uh, teach it to their flocks. Um, so that there's less of this confusion that's exhibited in her editorial. What happens if you take God out of the United States? What happens when you try to divorce government from from God, from Judeo-Christian principles? What does that look like? Well, I mean, the, the first thing you have to recognize is that the very categories of good and evil are based in God. So if you don't have God, uh, as, as Jesus says, only God is good. If you don't have a God, then you're totally relativistic in terms of what is good and evil. How are you supposed to know? And uh, I, there, there are false religions out there that go down this path, and it is frightening. Let me tell you a story. As I was talking with a, with a false religion that was formerly Christianity, and he was talking about how God himself is ever-evolving. And so you don't have the immutable God anymore. You have an ever-evolving God who evolves with the universe. And finally, I sat and asked him, I said, you know, so we've spent the last 70 years condemning the Holocaust. That was a real horrible thing, right? Oh, yeah, that was a real horrible thing. And then I asked this question, is it possible that at some point in the future, God will change his mind and the Holocaust is not a horrible thing? And he had to answer the question, yeah, I guess that is a possibility. That's what happens when you take God out of the equation. You have no stability across time, and you have no objective good and no objective evil. And you wind up with something like the Soviet Union. You wind up with the organ harvesting that we're seeing right now in communist China, who's the one thing that they're sure of. They don't care whether they're stamping out Falun Gong or the Uyghurs or the Christians, but the one thing they're sure of is that there is no transcendent being that defines good and bad. Well, in my opinion, where you end up when you take God out of the equation is you end up with uh, saying that there are people that are called minor attracted persons. You know, we used to call that pedophilia. You take God out of the equation and you're able to redefine things that were at once, like your Holocaust comment, that were at once horrible and unimaginable, and you get pay people to consider, well, you know, maybe that's not so bad when when reason, when logical thinking people would look at all of those things and say, no, those things are categorically wrong. And the and the, the reason we know that to be true comes from our belief in that's God. That's exactly right. And that's what we are seeing is this creeping relativism Everything that was yesterday's horror is today's, you know, you're a, you're a hater if you don't embrace it. And uh, that is a result of trying to do uh, social experiments, trying to do self-governance without God. There was one more comment in Susan Stubson's op-ed, then I just want to get your, your take on it. 
during the course of the program, I, I played some audio from this lady named Catherine Stewart. She wrote a book about the rise of Christian nationalism, and really, she's just a, a leftist, honestly. She, and Stubson kind of alludes to this, that there's some sort of uh, strict reading of the Bible or a conservative reading of the Bible. And there's a couple of comments that, well, you know, these Christian nationalist folks, they take a really, you know, critic or a, a, a really conservative view of the Bible. Is there a conservative view of the Bible and a liberal view, or does it just mean what it says? Um, it just means what it says. Um, I, I will tell you that. Uh, you know, this is out there. Everybody kind of thinks, well, you know, we have different denominations because we have different interpretations. I, I have sat down for five years on a weekly basis with a whole smattering of denominations to test this hypothesis. And what I found out after five years is it's false. Every time that we disagreed, we did not disagree on the interpretation of the passage in front of us. The disagreement was simple. Should it still apply, or are we smarter now? That's all it was, every time. I think I think God would say um, it still applies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, and so if that's why I mentioned in the column that I'm writing that if you're if you're a Christian, I mean this is the truth. It's not particularly Christian truth. Uh, there's other de uh, denominations, or there, I should say, other religions that uh, that hold the same truth, but it is true for all Christians. Um, and I think this idea that you can have, you know, some Christians that have a different understanding of the Bible when it, when it regards sexuality or when it regards marriage or when it regards self-governance, that they're simply wrong. So, Jonathan, you mentioned you've got an, uh, a column coming out. Where can people go to find that? Yeah, um, so it'll come out um, uh, hopefully in the Cheyenne paper, the Wyoming Tribune Eagle, on Friday morning. I have also just put it up on my Substack. So Jonathan Lang at Substack, you just Google that and you'll find it right there. Well, Jonathan, thank you for taking the time this uh, early Wednesday morning. I appreciate it. And you're welcome back on the program anytime you like. It's always great to talk with you, David. So God bless you. God bless you. Not only is Susan Stubson absolutely wrong, she's using a made up concept Christian nationalism for her own political benefit to denigrate conservatives who actually believe in God and that there's a good and evil and a right from wrong. One last interesting point about Susan Stubson's ridiculous op-ed. She makes a comment that most of these Christian nationalists really are just evangelical born-again Christians. And yet in the same article, she describes herself as an evangelical Christian. So isn't she saying that all of these Christian nationalist types are just like her? My whole point here is when you use a made-up concept like Christian nationalism, it's super easy to contradict yourself, which is exactly what this whole idea of Christian nationalism does. It's a made-up term, it doesn't have any basis in fact, and it's only an attempt to politically attack conservatives. That's it of which Susan Stubson is definitely not. The truth of the matter is that the United States of America began as a Christian nation. And if you accept the premise of Susan Stubson's article, you have to agree that the founding of the United States was entirely wrong simply because it was founded as a Christian nation. It's called logic, Susan. 
Maybe you should try it sometime. Well, that'll do it for today's installment of the program. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk again tomorrow during the live episode that begins at 10 a.m. You can find the link at the website, cowboystatepolitics.com, or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page or Twitter or anywhere else that I remember to put it. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.